Football on off the ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Yeah, and you're very welcome back to the show. It being a Thursday night, it is our delight and our pleasure, as always, to welcome the one and only John Giles to the show. John, good evening to you. Evening, Richie. How are you getting on? Thank you. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, a lot going on. Um, we'll look ahead to, to Ireland and Belgium a little bit later on. Uh, we've also got a lot to look back on from the past weekend. A lot of FA Cup action um, that kind of stuck out, I guess, as much for the aftermath thereof, uh, in particular the Everton tie away to Crystal Palace than for anything else. I mean, afterwards, with Everton being spanked 4 0 at Selhurst Park. Frank Lampard essentially threw his players under the bus. Uh, one might view it that way. He, he asked the open question in a press conference. Um, we'll dress it up slightly here because we're on the radio and we don't want to get hauled off the air. He essentially asked openly, have you got the balls to play? Now, he necessarily wasn't addressing the, the Everton players, but he certainly wasn't not addressing them either. And there is a suggestion that he's not entirely happy with what he has at his disposal. It's kind of the wrong end of the season and the wrong end of the table that Everton find themselves in to be kind of throwing those kind of words around, John. Well, they got a hiding four nil, uh, as we know, Richie. They got, I think, they got a lucky win early on in, in the week against Newcastle, which was mm. which was a big big win for them in the position that they're in. But um, the problem with, with with a lot of managers going into a new club, in Frank's case, you don't really know what's there. Mm. Until you get in, you know you assume well. Joe Bloggs is a good player, and then, but it doesn't always work out that way. And uh, you know when Benitez was there, uh, he he was going on all the time about the players that the club brought him. He didn't have a say in all the don't get a say in any of them, and that's been going on for a long time. Which he said left left him with a lot of bad boys and a lot of poor players in the club. Uh, so. With Frank's situation, all managers go in into a club not really known. You, you assume, well, he's a good player, he's not. But you don't know what the, the atmosphere is in, in the club when you go in. And I'd say, Frank, I mean, th- things haven't been good at Everton since he's gone in. He's had a couple of good wins. But it's only when you're in that you realise what you have or you don't have. Yeah. And c- I'd say he knows now <coughs> what he has or doesn't have. They kind of remind me, John, of when you go shopping and you're after buying a load of fruit and veg, but you get back to the fridge and you open up the fruit and veg drawer and there's, you know, the remnants of three or four shops just gone, still sitting in there and going, you know, going rotten. And Everton kind of have that in in a sense with their squad because they've got, you know, players who are there under Roberto Martinez. They've got players who are there under Sam Allardyce. They've got players who are there under Benitez, as you mentioned. Ronald Koeman was obviously in there as well. And there seems to be this mishmash of real average players who are being asked serious questions now in terms of their form and it doesn't seem as a collective that they're able to do anything to get out of it at the moment. Well, the, well, the problem is, from what I read of it and, and, and see of it, is that there was a director of football picking those players and that's what Benitez did come out, well, more or less came out to say that, look, I didn't pick those players. And that's what's been going on, and that's what's get, gotten them into a bad position. You know, director of football uh, hasn't been sacked, as far as I see, at uh, Everton. But what happens with the managers, they get these players in, and they take responsibility for the purchase of the players. Mm. 
And generally speaking, they're not their players. You know, 90% of the job, you might have heard me saying in this programme before, as a manager, 90% of the job is getting the players in you want and getting rid of the players you don't want. But if somebody else is picking the players, it's their players and their pick. And nobody, no two people in my, my experience in football have the same opinion on players. But in my opinion, the manager should be making the, the, the purchases all the time hmm. because he has a vision of what he wants. And the director of football putting the, putting the players in, buying the players. Now, the director of football very seldom gets criticism. It's the manager that gets criticism and gets the sack. Yeah. And I think that's what Benitez was saying for a while at Everton. I didn't buy the players here. Don't take responsibility for it. Those around Everton will, like, will point out, I think Marcel Brands was the director of football there. I think they got rid of him or he walked while Benitez was still there because it was a power struggle obviously ongoing and there obviously will be whenever Benitez is in charge anywhere. Um, but Brands walked. But the talk about him was that even he didn't have the power to buy players and it wasn't even necessarily the manager that a lot of these signings were being foisted upon both the director of football. So you have a director of football with no say-so over the acquisitions at all. Mm. And then you've got a manager who has some, but not everything. And you've got the board dictating everything. So you're going to end up in these positions whereby yeah. if you've got like stuff just being thrown at you, you're not going to be able to juggle it 100% of the time. No. You're going to have some fall on the floor. It's right. It, it's inevitable. Yeah. I mean, you, you, it, what happens, what annoys me is you pick a manager for his football experience and knowledge and then you don't use it. Mm. You know, like if, if it, you see, well, what happens is, you know, the owner comes in, he's got the power to do it, uh, and he'll have the last say, or maybe most of the say, on who's coming in, because that's what he likes. But he's, he might be a great businessman, but he's not a football man. Mm. I mean, football, football managers have their expertise. They're usually ex-players, and they've been in the game a long time. They know who they want. They can spy, they sorry, pick a good player, pick good players out. Uh, but, I mean, a lot of people that, that I find in directors and that, uh, they know so little about the game. They think they know a lot. Um, it never. It comes back on, in in the long run. I mean, it's the same thing. Similar things happen to Manchester United. In the end, it doesn't work, uh, Richie. Hmm. You know, football managers are in the in the job as as a, a football expert. Well, not an expert, but a football man. On Lampard's quotes in particular, is it unusual to see? a manager who doesn't have his feet under the table that long um, goes so strongly against what he's seen from his players on the pitch. Oh, yeah. Well, Frank Frank has been in football all his life. Mm. And he went into management, as we know, at, uh, at Derby and uh, Chelsea and did a good job. He's only a, a, a young manager. But he would know, having seen them for a week or two, uh, that this isn't right. Now, going in, like most managers being optimistic, say, well... They're not going well, but I can, I can get them better. That's what you think going into it. But if the players are in there that are not good, don't have a good attitude, there's nothing you can do about it, uh, Richie. Mm. And I think Frank, after getting the, the hiding 4-0, would be thinking, oh my God, what, what have I got here? You know? Because he's, he's seeing, what, three or four or five matches, whatever it is, and he'd soon pick it up from that position. Yeah. You know, they, I think they got a bit lucky to... to uh, to, to win during the week against Newcastle and then get a 4 0 hiding in the cup. And he's only been there a few weeks. And, and like any manager, uh, Richie, you, you don't really know what you're getting into until you get into it. Yeah. 
Imagine actually having Team of Gals and meeting with Russo and Black Sunnies together. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I suppose 90 second winner. I've never scored a 90 second minute winner. I don't know what it feels like. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. The, the problem is, is as has been mentioned before, that there's a lot of people there that have been there a while, and you know more. It, it's easier to buy a player almost than it is to shift one that you already have out the door. And Everton have had this position whereby there's players there who've you know been loyal, and I guess Seamus Coleman is, is one of those who's been a brilliant performer for them down through the years. But there's a feeling now that he may have he may have crested the hill and will be on the downside now. It was pointed out after I think it was was the Jamie Carragher was pointed out during the Arsenal game recently that Everton have a championship defence and, and Seamus Coleman he would most certainly factor into that. Would that be a harsh assessment on Coleman or would that I be, think it's very harsh. I yeah. don't I don't think Seamus Coleman has ever got the credit that he deserved, even when Everton were doing okay. And I've seen lots of matches now with Everton recently. And I, I they're they're a poor team at mm. the moment. But I don't think Seamus is responsible for it at all. And, and that's, I mean, he serves the responsibility as captain as, as some of the other players. But he's, he's not to blame, in my opinion, from what I've seen of the team. It's, you see, I think it's, it's easy to pick out somebody like Seamus because he's, what, 31, 32 now. Yeah. So therefore he's old, so therefore it has to be him. I've seen it, I've seen it so many times before. I don't think that's the case with Seamus Coleman. I mean, he's, okay. he is responsible, the same as everybody else, for the position they're in. But if you look at Seamus Coleman all the years, the one thing about him is the most... Probably one of the most honest players I've ever seen, and when Everton are not playing well, it, it, and Frank would be would be talking about this, in my opinion, it's because the players are not having a go. Mm. That's the basic thing. And he's the kind of personality that you want in a dressing room. When he's talking about players not having the balls to play, I mean, Seamus Coleman is certainly one of those players who, like that question, would never be asked. No, ever him. in his yeah. career, he's the most one of the most honest lads I've ever seen on a football pitch, mm. Seamus Coleman. So what Frank could be talking about is dishonest lads. Now, I'm not saying Seamus Coleman played well. No players don't play well all the time, but it wouldn't be for the lack of effort. Yeah. That's for sure. I think what Frank is, is, is talking about is lack of effort and approach to the game. Mm. That's what really kills the managers. You know, and, and he's in a, a, a strange position or a dodgy position in terms that they, they don't seem to be getting to put their hands in the box to buy players. Yeah. Like if you take the, the Newcastle case, with Eddie Howe going there, he was promised a lot of money, and he, he spent it, and obviously seems to have spent it well. Uh, but that hasn't been the case at Everton. Mm. So Frank might be stuck with these lads, having walked into it. There's a lot he's stuck with. There's a lot that he, you know, has, with the sum he's brought in, we, we, we touched, I know, when, when Dali Ali was signed back in January, mm. I was myself and yourself speaking then, and they brought in Van der Beek as well, but there seems to be an 11 and off. They've got, to be fair, like looking at the table and the teams above them, uh, the teams directly above them will be Brentford and Leeds, both of whom Le- Everton have played three games fewer than. But as always, like you'd rather have the points on the board than the games mm. in hand, it, and they're in no form at the minute. So in a way, this international break is almost a godsend that they can just retain who they have for the week now, who hasn't gone away in international duty, recalibrate, and, and then head off into these last what it would be eleven yeah, games well, of the season for Everton and, yeah, and try and get out right, trouble. It's come at the right time for yeah. them, but he did. <laughs> I think we said it at the time. He did sign Deli Ali, which I I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have taken for nothing. <laughs> and he's hardly been in the team, Deli Ali. Yeah, you know. But I, looking at him at Spurs, I mean, there was three managers turned him down at uh, at Spurs, and it, 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 I don't think it's a coincidence. You go back to a time where he was a younger lad, and then he signed a new contract and a, a, I think a very very 
Lucrative one. Good one. Yeah. Uh, and it, I've seen it happen before in the blurting, oh, that's it. Now, and that's, he certainly gives me that impression that since he signed that contract, he hasn't kicked the ball. Then he's off that. Then he had Mourinho. He had a lad there from Wolves at the start Mourinho, of the season. Yeah. Somebody else turned him down, left him out of the team because he wasn't doing his stuff. And yeah. Frank is taking him on. So I don't think, uh, I don't think that's a good move for him. And, and when you're down near the bottom of the league and you're looking for Pfizer's, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, law of averages suggests three managers in a row can't all be wrong. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, you've got a good player. You're not. You're not going to. You know, why would you leave a good player out of the team and not have anything to do? I mean, he's not. He's not trying to leg. That's what. The, that's what happens. And it's not just one manager. It's three managers who've done it. Yeah. So. Can you see them getting out of trouble? Sorry. Can you see them getting out of trouble? Do you think they'll be okay? Chelsea. Everton. Oh, sorry, Everton. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think they'll just have enough to do it. They've had some bad results recently with Leeds winning one or two of the other teams that are down near the bottom winning. But, I mean, if they went down, uh, Richie, it wouldn't be a big surprise. You know, big teams have gone down before. If they're not doing their stuff, they're not fighting. Sure. They can go down, definitely. Yeah, there's a little bit, little bit of a gap there between themselves and, and Watford, but certainly Everton by no means um, out of danger. Uh, flicking back up to the other end of the table, Manchester City is still leading, uh, just about, only by a point heading into this international break. Uh, they are involved in a, an FA Cup tie themselves last weekend, beating Southampton by four goals to one. Uh, but a lot of those goals were you know, loaded towards the back end of that game and took something pretty special from Phil Foden to put it to bed. But City, last couple of weeks, not necessarily haven't been uh, pulling up any trees. And with Liverpool breathing down the next, it's going to make for a last an interesting last couple of months of the I season. Think it, I think it's huge. I I don't I honestly don't think, and I think I said it on your program, Richie. I don't think they've been playing as well as the scores suggest. Mm. Now that might sound odd, but there's a few matches saw them and they've won, and I thought that's not City doing what they're doing. Really. And and the first half uh, against uh, Southampton the other day, I thought they were poor. You know, half the game, 50, 50% of the game, is getting tight on the opposition, running them down, putting them under pressure, all those things that they did. I don't think they're doing that now, and they certainly didn't do it on Saturday. Second half, they pulled up all right. Uh, but, you know, going back, even though the, 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 when, when they, the, the, a lot of people were saying they've run away with the league, um, I saw matches that they, they didn't uh, play as well as they should, and to be honest now, I'd be surprised if Liverpool don't overtake them. You reckon Liverpool can catch them? Yes. Yeah. I think I think if I was putting money on it now, uh, I'd, I'd go on, on Liverpool to win it. Okay. Um, is that based purely on City's form at the minute or is it more so that, like you look at Liverpool's results since Christmas, I guess, that blip that they had and that those results against West Ham and Leicester, like since then they've been just imperious really they, yeah. they, they've, they've had blips here and there I mean the game against Forest is a tricky one to judge because there were a few players missing and there were several changes made for that tie and you know etc etc but City will say the same for their game at Southampton but they're managing to get results they're managing to keep going eat it out keep getting three points here and there keep getting into the next round of everything they're in yeah well they're, they're playing in a, on a well, first of all they've got a better strike force than City have They've got about four or five strikers, mm. good players. Like City don't, as you know, they were trying to get Harry Kane, they couldn't get him. But you know, they're 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 doing well for the players that they have. I think City, except for last week, I saw them; they just weren't up to it or on on their best 
in a way that they have been in over the last few years. And I've seen them win matches as well recently, Richie, or mm. before. And I thought that that's that's not quite City. Although they were winning the matches, they weren't quite there in getting after the players and the enthusiasm. Uh, but I, I I just think watching Liverpool, they're more of an all-round team at the moment. And I would, that's why I would fancy I would fancy Liverpool to catch them. There was an interesting line from Jurgen Klopp, I think it was after that game at Forest, where he was talking about the, the issue with Manchester City and having no um, recognised centre-forward, etc. came up. And he said that that's, you know, that that's, that's not really the essence of, of, of what Manchester City are trying to do or, or, or they're the root of any problems that they may have. Because he was saying, like, they've had chances and they create chances know plenty in games and he pointed out like Kevin De Bruyne missing from six yards or whatever when you yeah. know that that's not a result of them not having a striker that's just Kevin De Bruyne not putting the ball away um, and yeah, but if, if a striker was in that position he, he, there's more chance of him putting it away I mean De Bruyne is not really playing uh, in, in a midfield play very far, far forward now mm. uh, so I mean he, he's not an out and out striker I mean, I mean if they had Harry Kane they they definitely would have somebody to stick the ball in the back of the net, uh, Richie. They, they could be making chances, all right, mm. but it doesn't mean you're going to be scoring from them, you know. And, and De Bruyne is, is one of the I, I'm not a great admirer of De Bruyne. I think he's too he's too moody, and he was certainly moody the other day against. Well, I see him that way anyway. That's my yeah. opinion on him. But uh, like even in midfield, uh, I think Liverpool are stronger midfield. They're definitely stronger up front. So of course they'll make chances. But that's that's why you have the striker there to finish them off, Richie. Yeah. You know, it's it's midfield players who are missing the chances because they're not they they don't have the expertise that uh, you know Mane has or uh, any any of the strikers, four strikers that they have, yeah. Jota and Jot- or Salah. Yeah, Jota's turned into a grand little goal poacher now at this stage. Almost, I don't think necessarily that was the kind of player that they thought they were buying from Wolves. Uh, 18 months or two years ago now at this stage but he has like he's one of these guys who just he'll pop up in the six yard box he's able to get even though he's only about five foot seven he's able to get his head on things yeah. he's, he's he's really turned into that little fox in the box for Liverpool that I don't think they had up until that point There's a lot of wingers who are dressed up as strikers I guess you'd say uh, but he's really turned into a, pro- a proper little centre forward now at this stage definitely he's a top player but they had Firmino as well yeah, yeah. Know, he was a, it was a striker but the thing is it doesn't matter who scored in the goals that's what they're there to do. Mm. And if you look at City at the moment, they just don't have a recognised striker. As you say, the midfield players are filling in and with the chances that they make. But, um, you know, they, 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 they do, like all teams need. But I don't think they're, 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 they're playing as well as they, they had played. I think that a lot of this stuff from uh, winning the ball back hasn't been there in the matches that I've seen. Um, but, I mean, it's going to be a terrific uh, a terrific end to the yeah. season because they're going to be playing Liverpool a fair bit as it looks on. Yeah, but that's yeah. only my opinion at the moment. I think Liverpool will come out on top. Okay. We'll uh, we'll spin this one back when May comes around. Yes. And we have yeah. uh, neither of them are after winning the league and suddenly Chelsea come from nowhere. <laughs> um, we'll look ahead as well to, to this weekend because obviously you mentioned the international break and, and Ireland are playing Belgium in a friendly on, uh, on Saturday night. Um, it's an interesting one, this, because as we mentioned before, Belgium not necessarily bringing a full-strength team. The likes of De Bruyne, uh, Romelu Lukaku, Thibaut Courtois, Eden Hazard and, and several others, as, bec- as they played more than 50 caps, they've not been brought over. Um, so it's 
uh, Stephen Kenny pointed out that it's not necessarily an understrength side because they still have strikers mm. like Michi Batshuayi and Divock Origi and, and others and Christian Benteke and, and, and you can go through that squad and, and pick out a fairly handy 11 no matter who they bring over um, but it is a decent test for, for Stephen Kenny and for this Ireland side because the end of the year in really good form I mean six games unbeaten they haven't conceded in four which is uh, remarkable stuff altogether but they have had to contend with this departure of Anthony Barry funnily enough uh, to Belgium and he's going to be on the sideline uh, this Saturday uh, in the wrong dugout I guess you'd say uh, at the Aviva for this friendly um, he had some interesting comments during the week John I don't know if you caught them I think I did uh, <laughs> uh, Richie Okay, uh, and yeah. I don't know him uh, but he said going to uh, Belgium was a no-brainer uh, because <laughs> he was joining a big name like Martinez but I don't think that's very respectful, respectful of him mm. <laughs> talking about Stephen Kenny because uh, it, it, it's 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 he's, he's leaving them, but there's no mention of Stephen yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is how, how I say. How does Stephen feel about the whole business? Yeah. Like it was if it's no brainer. I have to go. I'm, I'm joining the best manager, uh, and I'm just totally disrespectful. But as far as the match is concerned, I think it's ideal for Stephen to be honest. You know, because he, he's on a winning run, and with all those top players playing, it obviously it gives him a better chance. And uh, that's what that's that's what he's doing is to build up the confidence of himself and the players and everybody everybody around him. Uh, so I, th- I think it's ideal for him. He's shown a bit of um, a backbone, I guess, in in a, in a sense with the selection of this squad and there's players missing. Gavin Bazunu was the latest ruled out today, and Adam Ida is one of those who's missing. Who's been uh, really impressive in, in recent Ireland showings. Andrew Omabamadeli as well at the back, not here uh, this weekend either. But he's left out the likes of Jamie McGrath, who you know every time he's been called upon in Ireland jersey hasn't let himself down and has actually played really well in the majority of games that he has played but because his move to Wigan hasn't panned out Kenny's left him out of the squad entirely that shows a level of backbone that I think a lot of people may have questioned when Stephen Kenny got the job and that he's just going to pick young players for the sake of it but if they're not playing week in and week out and if they're not actually performing to the level that he needs them to he's got no room for them I think so I think Stephen is a lot of backbone mm. You know, he went through a rough spell, as we know, uh, but he stuck to what he believed in. He kept the players in that he wanted. And, uh, you know, you find at an international level, there's going to be times where players are not playing on a regular basis and other players are. It uh, doesn't mean that they're not going to be there forever, uh, Richie. You know what I mean? That's, that's the pick he's picked at this particular time. And he's given them all a chance. I mean, there is a friendly match as well. Uh, and he wants to win it, like everybody else wants to win it. But he has given players a chance and you, you can't see too much of your own players mm. when you're going to pick the team. You, you, you know, the more you see them, the more you know about them and you can make up your, up your mind which one is which. One is which. Uh, and, you know, these things happen at international level. Mm. What would represent a, a good result, uh, obviously aside from winning it, but what would represent, uh, you know, a good night's work on Saturday for Ireland? For Stephen? Yeah. Well, the team playing well, mm. uh, and, and, and hopefully getting the result of these areas they play as well as that but but it's it's a long road and it's a friendly match and it, it's seen you know as a manager I think from Stephen's point of view that was good that wasn't so good so you, you can't see too many matches with the players that you have to get them up for the next match which is the when we start the, uh, the Nations League Nations League yeah. and that so it's it's a learner and in a match that you hope you do well and win you know there's nothing better than winning it's not the end of the world 
if you're beaten in a match like this, but having a bad performance is a worry. It's a nice yardstick, I guess. To to like we can we can have the the six results that we had towards the end of of last year, and we can can not concede in four. But people will point towards who the opposition were in those games. So for this, even with a you know quote unquote weakened Belgian team, it's a nice yardstick for for how far we've come in the past twelve months, I guess. Oh, definitely. Uh, I think with the players not not playing for, I mean, it's it's, it's ideal for mm. for uh, Stephen because it obviously gives them a better chance of winning, uh, and there's nothing better than winning matches. It gives the, lad, the lads a chance out there to, to mature as they go along. A lot of young players in the team. So it's an ideal match uh, for, for Stephen. And now, of course, the ideal position is to win it as well. Yeah. But play the way you want them to play and play as well as they possibly can themselves. That would be the main thing from Stephen's point of view. Yeah, and tell Anthony Barry at the end of the game as well that winning was a no-brainer against him. Uh, he was a bit disrespectful. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get over it with a decent performance exactly. and maybe a result on Saturday night. John, thank you so much for everything again tonight. Okay, Richie. Cheers, John. Take care. Bye, bye, bye. Football on off the ball with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.